On today's Car Sports Talk, we recap today's conference championship games, discuss the Super Bowl matchup between the Eagles and the Patriots, debate the NBA All-Star rosters and deadline rumors, heat up the hot stove in the MLB, and we as a podcast have officially announced Duke to be the 2019 men's basketball champion. Welcome, everyone, to the second ever episode to Car Sports Talk. Today is January 21st. I'm joined again by my partners in crime, Sibo and RJ. And we would like to send our appreciation to all of our friends and family who have helped spread the word about our podcast and shown us the utmost support. We're happy to announce that we are officially on iTunes as well. So if you go on the podcast app or on iTunes, you can find us at Car Sports Talk. We love all the subscriptions that we can get. We're also happy to announce that we've added our friend Ryan Sullivan to our team here also known as Sully, he will be running our social media accounts that will be starting up later this week. So let's get to the fun stuff. Guys, how about those games today? Eagles domination. Wow. And the Patriots broke Jaguars fans' hearts. Tell you that. I mean, even if you're not a fan of, like, even if you're not a Jets fan, not a Bills fan, not in the AFCs, you just got to hate seeing Brady in another Super Bowl. It makes me sick. Yeah, I'm a, as a Jet fan and a guy who goes against Brady, um, you know, twice a year, I just, you know, watching the game today, I, I remember in the last podcast, I said, with five, the Jaguars will compete until five minutes left in the game. Because after seeing, like I said, I see them twice a year, I knew exactly what was going to happen. Brady was going to just go through all this crazy events. Um, you know, Amendola is far, this is one thing I took away, Amendola is far more clutch than Wes Welker ever was. Look how many big catches this guy has made for Brady in the playoffs. He was the MVP today. Yeah. And yeah. Welker was always a favorite of Brady's, but we just always saw him dropping passes in the Super Bowl. I mean, he dropped them in both Super Bowls against the Giants. Amendola, he played amazing today. You expected earlier in the year, Chris Hogan was taking that spot. He was stepping up for the hurt Julian Edelman. But this lately in the playoffs, it's been all – Edelman. I mean, Amendola. Yeah, um, I think the Jags did a really good job today in the first half of um, kind of taking Gronkowski a little bit out of the game. Jalen Ramsey, you know, they showed a couple highlights of him just following him along. And, he, you know, Jay, he's right, man. He's one of the guys that really just gave Gronk a really tough time today. They were going with double coverages on him, sending safeties along. That Barry Church hit, I mean, there really was no else, no other way for him to hit Gronk there. Because if he went low, then he's considered a dirty player. What do you guys think of that hit? I mean, I agree. It he, was. Just, I agree completely. You know, and even Richard Sherman tweeted that out also, and many players. Yeah, I saw that. Many people believe that's a little one-sided on the offensive favor. Because I mean, when a guy's running the ball, you're not going to tell him to slow down when he's coming up to a defender. But Absolutely. We're our, but we're telling our defenders that they need to start hitting differently. All. You know, the average NFL play only lasts like five, seven seconds. But between the time a guy comes ready to tackle a player, like your first instinct's not like, oh, well, I can't go for the head there. Like, I just got to stop him, got to bring him down. Well, if you saw, he even tried to avoid hitting him helmet to helmet. He turned at the end. But it's just, it's just a matter of when you're going to make the tackle, you're trying to dislodge the ball and hit him with the shoulder, connect the shoulder to the ball. And sometimes that's just the best way to do it. Right. 
And that was another thing um, that happened today. Once Gronkowski went out, and they didn't have Edelman, so they didn't have their two top targets. I, I remember sending a tweet out just saying, like, this is just the beginning of another Brady comeback story. And it was. And I remember, uh, for you guys who've seen The Office, that scene when Toby comes back to The Office and Michael's just, like, yelling, no, no, God, please. That was just me watching it. <laughs> And you got to feel for Blake Bortles also. I mean, he had zero turnovers the whole playoffs, and he played his heart out today. He really – he's making some really good throws, and he's playing smart. He didn't have any turnovers about the whole playoffs. That's awesome. Yeah. I thought it was pretty notable that the Patriots only had one penalty today. Yeah. So, I don't know if that means the refs are on their side or they just play that clean of football. Hey, man. Just goes that way sometimes, especially in Foxborough. You can't expect to get a lot of calls. Yeah, there was a couple pitchers out today. Of, uh, the referee went and wanted the touchdowns for the Patriots. He was like in the middle of their thing. Everyone was like, oh, the refs part of their team. Well, the the drive- ball- he was also one of the first people to congratulate Brady after the game. Yeah, the drive-, the drive at the end of the half was huge. I mean, it yeah. was just led down the field by penalties, and they executed. That's the thing. In the, in the second quarter alone, the, pe- the Jasmine the Jaguars committed all their penalties. They had 62 penalty yards given up. So that definitely hurt them there. Um, but yeah, listen, dude. I mean, for the Jaguars, there's. Re- I mean, here's the thing. You want like you're trying to find things to say when they could have done better. There's lots of them. But QBs for years, their biggest task of the season is being able to beat Brady within the last. Being able to hold Brady off in the fourth quarter alone. The Jags played awesome all day. This was their big, biggest task of the season. Could they withhold Brady in the fourth quarter? How many times did we see Peyton Manning lose in those games? And how many times have we seen guys like Big Ben lose in these games? It takes the best quarterbacks who have still not figured it out. So you can't really hate on the Jags too much there. They really played a really good game today, I thought. They just – it's the hardest task in football. Can you hold Brady in the fourth quarter? Yep. The thing is, the Jags got a little conservative once they had a lead. Once they were up 10, they got a little conservative, and then the whole game changed. Yeah. Brady just took them down the field, scored real quick, and then the pressure was on the Jags. And you know what got – you know what was interesting? On the last drive, they drove down the field to about the 45, and they had time with over two minutes left. They had three timeouts, and they decided to throw the ball three plays straight. And then they got into horrible – oh, two plays straight, and then they got into horrible third down situation. And we also saw the Patriots prized um, free agent signing, Stephon Gilmore, cornerback from the, yeah, Mik- the Bills. You know, he made the game-sealing play for them. So that's definitely one thing. That was a that was crazy a great play. play. Was a really good great play. Uh, one th- that was a good, great throw by Bortles, too, by yeah, the way. Yeah, that's the thing. He made a yeah, cool- that's a very he good throw. Cool <laughs> like, he almost hit Fournette going down the the sideline as well. Like he was just an inch off. He like he threw a couple good balls. He he missed by a very small amount. Uh, one thing I want to take away, guys. Um, a guy who's who I believe is gonna, his name is just gonna go start skyrocketing through the coaching ranks. Um, Nathan Hackett, the Jaguars' offensive coordinator. The Jaguars' biggest deal all year is being able to hide the inefficiencies of Blake Bortles and just trying to manage him as po- as much as possible. And he did that to near perfection, I thought. This, I, the way they ran the ball was amazing all year. They built up the line. They made Blake Bortles feel safe, like he had a blanket around him. And their D was just incredible. 
they they made sure that he wouldn't lose them the game, and he did a phenomenal job doing it. He increased all their abilities. The wide receivers, they had a lot of injuries in that area, and they just continued to produce. I feel he's been pretty efficient throughout this whole playoff run that they had. Oh, absolutely. He was a great great part of all the wins that they had, and even like – Especially tonight. in Pittsburgh. Yeah. To put up how many points they put up? Forty five. Yeah, forty five. You gotta be doing something. You gotta be doing something right. Yeah, RJ. It was a much different Blake Bortles than the Titans saw twice during the year, where they actually beat the Jets yeah. both times this year. So yeah, but I think you know honestly, Blake's confidence just got better by the game. I think. I think he was definitely a little shaky in that first, um, the wild card round. The Bills were a, uh, they were a stingy, here. So and he only threw for like eighty seven passing, but he definitely found his groove going forward. I think one of the biggest plays of the game, though, was on the double pass play where Dion – who was it? Was it Dion or James White? That one of them. That was Dion. fumbled. When Miles Jack stripped him. That, he, Miles Jack should have been able – that play should have been live still. That could have been a game-changing play there. But – Yeah, he was not down until he had – when he had possession. Yeah, it was, well, no one touched People him. thought he had possession there, but, like, he was holding it by his wrist. Your wrist is not possession. No, that's not – no. By the time he recovered the ball, there was no one that touched him. Yeah. But, of course, it got blown down. Because we're playing in Foxborough and it's the Patriots. Yeah, you know, you just uh, – not all calls are going to go your way. Uh, but going forward for the Jags, I mean, going into the offseason, I think a couple positions they really need to address. Well, let me let me back that real quickly. It was really good to see Dante Fowler uh, – their first pick from a couple of years ago, he really made a big impact today in that first half. And through the pocket all day. Well, was he yep. hurt like his first one and a half seasons or something like yeah, that? Yeah, he got he tore his ACL his first ever like rookie camp day within like the first hour. Yeah. So that definitely. I remember cool. that. And that's the thing, dude. The Jags defense, like, terrorizing D line. Led by Malik Jackson, Clyde Skipple, Marcel Darius, and Dante Fowler, the edge rusher. And they got guys like Telvin Smith and Miles Jack, who are just two interchangeable pieces. They are all over the field, sideline to sideline. And their corners can tackle. Yeah, absolutely. Boye and Ramsey are arguably the two top corners alone in the league. Definitely. definitely yeah, they don't top. even have to switch sides. It's just, it's beautiful coverage. Yeah. Oh, especially on that play where Cook's got the flag. The pass interference. That was perfect coverage. Yeah. No. Nothing you could do about Both that. Big and long physical corners. Um, Sebo, ex-Cowboy Barry Church was also a integral part of their team this year. Yeah. Uh, he's, a, he's a sure tackler. Yeah, you know, he definitely played very well for them. Um, him and Tayshawn Gibson uh, in the back, you know, they seem to do. <laughs> uh, but here's the thing, guys. Do we think – do we see the Jags exploring the QB market a little bit this offseason? Or do we think that they're going to stick with Bortles? I mean, he brought them to the AFC Championship game. I think you have to Honestly, stick with I Bortles. They stick with Bortles, but they also, they also look for the future quarterback maybe. Give and Bortles then, another year to make sure that it wasn't a right. fluke. Maybe in the draft. Maybe they'll look for a sleeper Yeah, in the, in the draft. draft. I don't think well, they signed RJ, do you want do you want them to keep Bortles? Are you just saying that because you want them to keep Bortles because you're a Titan fan? No, I honestly think like I don't know how you could um like release him or look for his not release him, look for a new quarterback if he brought you to the AFC championship game. 
and arguably put your team into a great spot to win the game. Right. This is another thing I've been thinking of lately. Uh, with with his top wide receiver getting hurt in what week one, week two. Yeah, and Allen Robinson is also going to be a free agent this this uh, upcoming off season. So Jags got to look around right there also. This is just some one thing I've been thinking of. In the in the article that came out a couple of weeks ago about the Patriots and their apparent apparently they have an interior rift going on between the owner Bob Kraft, Tom Brady, and Bill Belichick. And part of this stems oh. fact that <laughs> I know. Part of this stems from the just fact more that, drama adding to the win. Oh my gosh, just Patriots drama between Tom Brady's hand, this so-called rift. You drives just keep, me nuts. It drives you me just nuts. keep building up. It just makes the story look better every time. Yeah, crazy. But what, so what I was saying was, um, part of the issue that became part of this was Bob Kraft. Belichick wanted to keep Garoppolo, but Garoppolo because he saw him as the successor to Brady, much shorter than Brady thought he'd be playing for. So basically, in the end, Brady forced the hand and get Garoppolo out of there, and Bob Kraft's. Um, philosophy was you trained one QB from the draft, you can do it again. Do we see the Patriots as a trade up candidate in the second round, maybe and snag a guy like Well they, they have that early pick in the second round from 49ers, which is That's what, like the fortieth overall pick? Yeah, and the Patriots go to I think Mason Rudolph will still be there at yeah. that point. I, I believe he would be there also. Yeah, Mason from Oklahoma State. He um he puts up a lot of big numbers and he's a big stature guy. Six five in the pocket, he's got a strong arm, accuracy uh, issues, and this consistency. But if they if they truly do believe Brady will come for another, how many years? Three years. Four three years. years. Four years, I think. Three or four. He was drafted in twenty fourteen. Yeah, the will get their appearance in the first round. You know, first of all, team every. It's no matter who they play. Um, I, it, it just wouldn't shock me to see them pull the trigger on a guy like Mason and just try to improve him the next few years while they still have Brady. And then, I mean, the Patriots him. are never shy about drafting quarterbacks, so yeah, wouldn't be surprising at all. I mean, it was definitely a shocker a couple of years back when they took Garoppolo that early in the second round when Brady was still in his height. And, and look, it still is also. Well, I mean, they probably didn't expect Brady to still be a Super Bowl caliber quarterback at this point. You know, he's just he's just getting healthier. Man does not slow down. And we mentioned in the last podcast that basically Jimmy Garoppolo in the story in the ESPN article, apparently he went up to the Alex Guerrero facility where Brady normally gets his treatment done, and they let him – they didn't let him in. They apparently left him leaving at the door. My theory there is – by some sort of sleeping gap, and sweaty sips of Garoppolo sips. So, he... <laughs> yep, just keeps getting younger and younger. It seems, guys. So, um, last uh, we had them at the plus. We all had Jags at plus nine. That was the um, the line that came out right after the divisional round last week. So, congrats, guys. We all went one and zero there. With plus nine. It's a good start. Yeah. Didn't get the other one, I'll tell yeah, you that. Let's, let's head over to the Fisher Bowl now. All I got to say is we're not going to be hearing the Minnesota with any more skull chants. We're yep. going to be hearing the Foles chants. 
in, in, oh, my, in two weeks. That was an that was so disrespectful. That was yeah. an incredible performance. He honestly put on. He, I dare to he looked like Roger swinging it out there. That he was, his touchdown throw to Tory Smith was like one of the nicest throws I've seen in a long time. On the money, he had a great game. Yeah, you know the Vikings. Deep, I mean, the Eagles' defense—they just—they just looked faster today. They were all over. They the smothered Keenum. Okay, yes, smothered. Keenum did not look. He had very little clean pockets. You know. I remember. Oh, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. You go. I remember saying last week that the Vikings would be able to dominate. I mean, the Eagles would be able to dominate the trenches. Their offensive line played amazing. Their defensive line played even better. They forced Case Keenum to throw the ball. And besides, I mean, Diggs had a pretty good game. But besides that, it was just short passes to McKinnon. Yeah, and Phelan also had a very tough time going today. The Vikings opened the game with um, Latavius Murray, who seemed to rush with some success, but they really just. They seemed to get away from that towards the end, and their offense was just really not moving. The, the Eagles' defense was all over the place. See, but you mentioned in the our last podcast that Fletcher Cox was going to be the X factor, and you were right, man. He, he do- was all yeah, he dominated, <laughs> absolutely dominated. Every time you just saw back constant, consistent backfield pressure, and he was just making pretty much every tackle at the line of scrimmage. It was amazing. Their defensive line got at it. They got at Keenum all day, all day. Uh, and here's the thing, the Vikings away from home this year, really, their defense is just not like what you'd think, looking at their numbers at home. There was five times this year during the regular season that they gave up 23 points or more on the road. They they did not look like the top defense. Oh. And this is that. a team that's also done very well against tight ends all year. Um, they have a strong state, they have a really good safety tandem, Harrison Smith, who I still don't know how they made the Pro Bowl. He's the best safety in the league, possibly. And the Vikings lost Andrew Sendejao during the game as well with a concussion. I mean, did you see Alshon Jeffries double move on on Harrison Smith and then Ertz beat him for – oh, I, I don't know what, how he was playing today, but it just – they just didn't show up today. No, they – He cooked, he yeah, cooked yeah. him. Alshon, they were outcoached, basically. This Eagles team, Doug Peterson said it as well. Once Carson Wentz got hurt, the Eagles were kicked to the curb. And they proved everyone wrong. They, their defense got better. Yeah. Well, they're going to be underdogs again. Can't bet, so. can't bet against Brady. No way. Yeah. I'm thinking um, they're probably going to open up as, like, maybe six-and-a-half-point underdogs. But um, here's, here's the thing, like, we said the same thing about the Jags defense. If you're able to get after Brady, you can make a difference in the game. And I thought the Jags defense was better than the Eagles defense. So, you know, what more are we going to see that we didn't see today? You know, it's really tough to determine, like, can the Eagles add Patriots? Even with the good- I remember saying last podcast that the level between Nick Foles and Case Keenum is probably at, it was probably at the same level between them. I mean – the thing is, Nick Foles, if he plays the way that he played today, they have a chance, absolutely. Their team around him is so dominant. If he plays like that again, they definitely have a chance. And here's another thing. You know, with Nick Foles passing as well as he did today, um, you know, Blake was Blake, while he did pass well, he still isn't that natural passer. Um, not to say Foles is, but Foles definitely looked more comfortable. See, well, this, is a good, this goes back to another thing you mentioned. The, the Eagles' ability to run the ball is just a huge factor. If they're able to just tire out that Patriot defense, 
what you know, what's to say they can't go at, go put thirty points up again? Yeah, they robbed the Dolphins, as I said last podcast. J.J. The washing machine. <laughs> the refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And like, Yo, quick, I'm sorry? I was going to say, quick question. Yeah. Is Foles a free agent after this year? That is a good question. Uh, I'm not sure, actually. I know they signed him this offseason after Kansas City let him go. Because yeah, if, yeah. if I'm a team in the draft looking at a quarterback, maybe I sign him and then try and develop the quarterback under him after this re- revitalization of his career, basically. Yeah, I'm looking right now. Nick Foles signed a two-year, $11 million contract with the, with the Philadelphia Eagles at the start of this year. So I guess the Eagles will have one of the better backups in the NFL Man. next year. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, amazing for them. After Wentz was on his way to MVP, next thing you know, he gets hurt. Completely turned the, it. It didn't matter. Unfazed. He would have been MVP. He would have. He would have been absolutely. He's incredible. He, he really, you know, he took the league by storm this year. And we all thought it would come at some point along the road. A small school QB, you know, learning the ranks of the NFL. But now he he came out. Um, he came out throwing the ball really well this year. There's few people that can scramble like him and then be able to throw on the run like him. It's he throws. It's good as a ball in tight space, as you, just, as you see around the league. That's including Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I was going to say, his play is being Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, but he's more – he's just bigger yeah. and more athletic. So, that's – he's special. Yeah. Uh, but, guys, basically the story here is that after the Minnesota miracle last week, the Vikings just – they never really found their grounding again. You know, they, they were on such a high there. They had the whole city going crazy, thinking they were bringing the Super Bowl home. And we just saw another case of a team overlooking the Eagles. Oh. Yep, and now Minnesota's miserable. We overlooked them also, yeah. I mean, people were probably getting ready to buy their school tickets already, thinking they were going to go into Philadelphia and just steamroll them. Didn't happen. Once you're playing in Philly. <laughs> that's a different, that's, different fan yeah. base there. Alshon Jeffrey over the offseason actually predicted that when he signed with the Eagles, they would go to the Super Bowl. So, is he a fortune teller? I don't know. Well, he saw the talent in once. He said that man can win the Super Bowl. So, he just knew what he was doing. Right. And even even with injuries, their team just rallied around it. So, guys, um, I don't want to get too much into the Super Bowl because we're going to have a lot of time to talk about that over the next two weeks. Um, let's just, you know, right now, Give your first projection for the game. Who do you think is going to win with what score? I think the Patriots win 27-23. 27-23? I'm going to go with uh, Patriots win 30-27. Unfortunately, I was actually going to say 30-27 as well, but I'll rethink it. You guys can have the same picks. Yeah, you know what? Uh, here's Here's the thing. The Eagles, um, the Patriots coaching staff, you know, you, people do credit Brady for year in, year out, and he's one of the best of all time to do it. But that Patriot coaching staff outworks every coaching staff in the league. I don't care what anyone says. They are just – and they take pride in it as well. They, they study well. They communicate with their players. And they're, all, they're one of the best second-half adjustment teams in the league. So I think that they're going to win 33-21. I think they're going to – 
it'll be a good first half. The Eagles defense will be showing up, and then they're going to find a way to stop Foles, and it'll be the Patriots winning yet another Super Bowl and making me miserable for another well, offseason. There's a reason why the entire coaching staff is probably not going to be there next year because they're getting other head coaching jobs. I saw today that their linebackers coach or something like that was getting looked at for the Cardinals head coaching job, which which means they'll probably be down four or five coaches next year. And they will just replace them like it was nothing. Yeah, that's It's literally yep. the mastermind of Bill Belichick. They're, they're going to in-house um, promote and then – same way with the Seahawks, you know, their court, their D coordinators always become potential head coaching candidates. We'll we'll see that with these guys in a couple of years as well. Yeah, I mean, if you just look at it, the Patriots, how many good assistant, how many good assistant coaches go get another job? Charlie Wise, Romeo Cornell, just not not as successful. It's just Bill Belichick's system. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Makes me sick. Definitely makes me sick. Um, all right, guys, let's jump to the NBA. So this past week, the NBA All-Star starters and captains were announced. So in the east side, we have Kyrie Irving from Boston, DeMar DeRozan from Toronto, Giannis Antetokounmpo, hope I said that right, from Milwaukee, Paul Embiid making his first appearance representing Philly, and the captain of the team, LeBron James. And in the west, we have a team led by James Harden from the Rockets, Kevin Durant from the Warriors, DeMarcus Cousins, and Anthony Davis, both representing the Pelicans and captaining the team Steph Curry. So in a new format this season, James and Curry will be choosing their teams without any regard to conference affiliation from a pool of starters and reserves. The reserves will be selected by NBA coaches and it will be announced on Tuesday, January 25th. So, guys, what were a couple of things you took away from the All-Star starter being revealed? A big thing with me was just a lot of a lot of young talent. I mean, you get the usual mainstays, LeBron, but then you get superstars like Giannis breaking out. Joel Embiid, good to see him in there. Yeah, these are two guys. Embiid's 24, 25 years old. Kyrie's also 25 years old as well. Yeah. Embiid's a fan favorite, so, like, you got to expect him in there, even though, like, you can argue that him and Porzingis could be interchangeable. Uh, honestly, even as a Knicks fan, Joe Embiid is just his defense. The way the way he plays the game is he's just a better product than Porzingis is right now. That's that's no knock on Porzingis. But I think you could argue Joe Embiid's possibly the best center in the NBA. Even He's on a minutes restriction, so he doesn't even play every game, mm. but... The man's incredible. Well, guys, let me ask you this right now. Um, if it were to come down to Kristaps Porzingis and Ben Simmons, Kristaps is averaging 23 points a game, six rebounds, two blocks, and the Knicks are 21 and 26 in a 10 spot. Ben Simmons is averaging 16 points a game, eight rebounds, seven assists, seven assists, sorry there, 22 wins, 20 losses, and the spot. If it came down to those two guys, who do you give it to and why? Um, I'm honestly going to have to go with Porzingis because if you take Simmons off the team, like I know the 76ers are 20 and 20, but if you take Porzingis off the team, the Knicks are absolute trash. I agree. You take, you take Simmons off the team, they still could feed and beat all game and win some games. Porzingis just so, he just carries the Knicks. 
win or loss, yeah. Porzingis is scoring 20, 20 plus points. I mean, his rebounding's been a little off, but hopefully he grabs 10 rebounds a game. He's got to work on that. Well, he's blamed some of that on fatigue. But ah. over the past week, we saw Tim Hardaway Jr. come back from injury. And Porzingis, he, he's shooting the ball a little more effectively. Part of that's because Hardaway's getting his shots in. He's been averaging almost 18 points since he got back. And we've seen there's a lot of more openings for Kristaps with, with Tim coming back. So I think that's just going to increase him. But um, I also will go with Porzingis over Simmons, just for the reasons you guys said. He is, he is sink or swim with them. And Absolutely. It's probably just a matter of time. You know, it's January 21st. Probably by mid-March, we'll just see the Knicks starting to fade out a bit and pro- eventually probably they'll shut him down. That's what they always do. Something stood out to me on ESPN. I was reading the article where they released the starting lineups, and they gave a ranking of the Western backcourt who, who when they released the stars, and they had Ginobili number four in the ranking. I don't know if Ginobili deserves to make the All-Star game, even though it's his last season. This is but, just fan voting, like Tyler Z- Yeah. Well, no, no, it was fan, player, and media. Yeah, so I'm guessing, I mean, Ginobili has a whole entire country of Argentina vote for him, along with Porzingis with Latvia. I mean, Yao Ming was still getting all-star votes when he was two years retired. I mean, that's what it is, though. The all-star game's a joke. That's how it is. Exactly. It's, I mean, that's, that's a good thing. At the end of the year, when you get the all-defensive teams, you get the actual, you get actual credit. Rather than just a fan vote, you know, it's sometimes it's frustrating. Like Kobe barely played his last year. He's going to make the all-star game. Same thing in baseball. Every time a guy like Jeter retiring, he's still going to make the all-star game. It's just a thing I respect. Yeah. So guys, um, I see what you're saying. Here's another thing. It's start. I mean, with James, yeah, James Harden, Chris Paul, Steph Curry, Russell Westbrook, um, these probably Clay Thompson. These are got probably the guys that will be representing the guards. Um, it, it's just starting to look like another year that Damian Lillard will not be making the All Star game. And you sometimes you gotta wonder. I mean, over his career, he's he's pledged his allegiance to Portland. He wants to be a guy who stays with the team his whole career. Do you, at some point though, like if they don't make the Western Conference Finals or even like the second round this year, do you think it's just gonna start? Changing his view, maybe he'll want to get out of Portland. Well, I'll tell you this right now: I don't think Portland's coming close to the Western Conference Finals. I yeah, I don't think so either. That, that, that's part of my point. I don't think they're going to. And this is the guy who even... is worthy of an, of the All Star game. If he was in the East, he would be making it. There's just too many good point guards in the West. Too many good well, guards. If you think about it too, what about Devin Booker? Like he's throwing up like. He's seventh in the in the NBA in points per game, and he plays for the Suns. With, meanwhile, he's young; like he's still putting up numbers, and he's probably not even be like close to the All Star game. He shouldn't. He's, how old is he? He's like Twenty one years old. He'll he's got plenty of time to make All Star games, set three point shooting uh, records, stuff all like that. Uh, so, guys, let me tell you one. Right here, uh, or let me ask you this: You have two spots to choose right now. For the um, front court, you have Draymond Green, Paul George, Carl Anthony Towns, Lamarcus Aldridge. You have to choose two of them. Hmm. 
I'd probably go Draymond Green and Towns. I agree. Why, why is that? Draymond's just an all-around player. Just phenomenal every year. The defense is as good as anybody in the NBA. And the thing is, Carl Anthony Towns, he's at, he's so good. He's so good down low. He's so good for the Timberwolves. And look at their look at their record right now. It's showing. He deserves it. You can yeah. even argue he deserves it over a guy like Cousins because they're winning. The Timberwolves are winning. Yeah. I think Carl Anthony Towns is overlooked. Yeah, absolutely. I believe I feel like he was one of the snubs. You can't you can't overlook what he's doing. Especially lately, he's been passing the ball very well. His defense has been better, and they're winning basketball games. Yeah, um, I don't know if I would go as far to consider him a snub just from the starting pool right there, just because you look at what um, Ben, um, what Anthony Davis and Boogie Cousins have done for the Pelicans. And the Pelicans yeah, I mean, the- they're they're carrying a very depleted team into elite into in a very in the harder conference between the two. I understand that, but at the end of the day, the two teams aren't even comparable. The Timberwolves are so much better. I know they have Jimmy Butler and more young talent, but that that factors into it. When you're playing winning basketball, you should be rewarded for it, especially when you're a huge factor of it. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, it may look like we're going to see two Timberwolves there in the All-Star game this year just because Jimmy Butler has also been playing out of his mind lately, too. He's playing MVP basketball right now. Absolutely. He's been fantastic this year. He really has. Uh, so, you know, what are some other things you guys notice? Anything else? I want to talk about how they're not going to – about how it's always a boring game, kind of considered a joke, and they're not going to televise the draft. That's huge. Why are they not televising it? They said that nothing good could come out of, you know, like someone being picked last and stuff. I mean, I just – I could see I, it, especially but with the amount of drama in the NBA. Come on, that would be like that would make the that would make the game fun, or at least more fun. These are grown men who make millions of dollars. They are paid handsomely. Why? It's it's embarrassing that we need to worry about one of these guys having their feelings hurt. Hundreds and thousands of people on Twitter can bash them all they want, but these people, will, but these guys will get butt hurt over not seeing their name announced on live TV for the All-Star game. It's, it's ridiculous. They're getting paid to be there. <laughs> like, what's the complaint? <laughs> it's ridiculous. And it's, it's a weekend. It's in L.A. also. Like, there's going to be so many people there. Stars will be there. It's definitely going to be a fun time for everyone there. And uh, an- another big thing, I just want to see the picks. I want to see if Le- I want I want to see LeBron get his guys – I want to see Curry get his guys. And I think that would be yeah. a much more competitive game. I want to see Durant on the Warriors. I want to see Durant on Curry's team. If Draymond Green makes it, I want to see him on it. So guys, That would make it so much more interesting. I would love to see if Curry takes, like, Westbrook or, like, some, or like another person from a rival that, if they make it. That's why I thought the draft would be perfect. It would make it so much more fun. You actually add some drama into I mean, it's a fun getaway weekend, a nice break for the players, but you can make it more fun for the entertainer, for the entertainment. So, guys, let's let's do a little game here, right? Sibo, you're LeBron James. RJ, you're Steph Curry. You both know the pool right. guy there. Sibo, we'll start with you as LeBron first. Who is your first pick? I'm going with Giannis. You go with Giannis? I like that. 
I think that's a great pick. RJ, who are you going with? I'm going with KD. I, that's probably who I think um, Seth will go with first as well. Why, why not go get your teammate? So KD and Giannis are both off the board. LeBron, who you got? James Harden. That's an easy one. James Harden. I could see Steph going with um, Embiid here, just for the entertainment. He goes Embiid, get a little uh, some trash talking going there. Yep, exactly. Draymond, like if he ends up with them, they they love the trash talking. All right, the Warriors love the trash talking, so I see Embiid going there. If you're gonna talk about trash talking, I'm gonna back up my team a little. I'm gonna get Cousins. You don't want to talk trash. So, uh, okay, so Cousins <laughs> will be your third pick. Yeah, he's going to get teed up. Yeah, guys, I don't know. Yeah, he may be the first person ever to get teed up in an all-star game. That would be awesome. So, John. And then. Yeah, who do you want to go with, uh, Steph? And then we're going to go with Kyrie on the anti-LeBron team. Oh, yeah, I, was, I would not have taken <laughs> yeah, him. There was no way he was ending up on my team. The story I want to see is whether or not they will, LeBron will pick him or we'll, maybe we'll have a cool all-star moment like we did a couple years ago with LeBron guarding Kobe. Maybe we'll get a cool shot of Kyrie sizing up on LeBron. That would be awesome. So Giannis Harding Cousins is with LeBron. KD, Embiid, and Kyrie are with Steph. We still got a couple guys left, so let's get through this, guys. We got DeMar DeRozan left. We have Anthony Davis. And Anthony Davis left. Um, for the dunks, I'll go with DeMar. You go. And I guess I get Anthony Davis. I got my length on my team. I'm fine. Two. Ebo's gonna go with DeMar, and he's gonna go with AD. So your starting lineups. Whether if Sebo were LeBron, you would have LeBron James. Giannis Antetokounmpo, James Harden, DeMarcus Cousins, DeMar DeRozan. And RJ, who would be Steph Curry, would have Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Joel Embiid, Kyrie, and AD. Looking at these two teams now, if I had to choose one of them to win a five-on-five game of 21, I think I'm going to go with Team Curry. Oh, come on. I have LeBron. <laughs> I have LeBron. How am I losing? I have LeBron and Ante. Come on. We got the trash it's talking. We got the trash. I got the best player in the world. Yeah, I'm not yeah. losing. And then, With a bunch of all-stars around You have him. the best player in the world. And then RJ has probably the next four best players in the world. <laughs> Kevin Durant. This is up Steph there. Curry. Kyrie. Giannis and James Harden are up. Kyrie Come has on. some of the best handles ever. Him and Curry. They can both. AD. I don't know, Kyrie. Kyrie doesn't compare to James Harden. There's no comparison. <laughs> yeah. Harden, no Harden's up there as well. I said some of the best. I, def- I meant Art. I meant Steph and KD. Harden's awesome as well. But if I, I respect I'm thinking, it. I'm just saying I have the best player in the world. Listen, Come on. I didn't expect you to agree. <laughs> uh, so guys, let's just get into a couple rumors right now. Um, with the All Star game coming up in about a month, that also means trade deadline talk. Two of the biggest names we've seen right now are DeAndre Jordan and Kemba Walker. Um, during the Thunder Cavaliers game the other day, I thought the Cavs were probably just trying to make a trade for DeAndre, probably mid-game. I'm pretty sure the GM probably left and went <laughs> to go try to get DeAndre to come start the third quarter. Horrible defense. There, there's, wow. They they do not have a shot against the Warriors if they're going to be playing that defense. They don't look good. I mean, they do this every January. Don't get us wrong. They get tired <laughs> of the season. It's easy. Yeah, and they're also, you know, LeBron didn't put in a uh, – 
huge vote of confidence to Tyron Lue when it was asked after the game whether or not he would be getting fired or not. I mean, but that's he'll never be satisfied because he knows more about basketball than they do from pretty much every coach that comes in. Think about it in the NBA how many actual good, good coaches there are. Rick Carlisle, Popovich. Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens. There's just not a lot of great coaching I, in the I NBA. I think Eric Spolstra is a fantastic coach. Yeah, oh, he's, he's a great phenomenal. coach. Great. He's or like, phenomenal. He's like he... the four seed right now. RJ, I don't even know if you can name their starting lineup. Can't. Yeah, like Goran Dragic. Josh Richardson, maybe. Whiteside. Like, Whiteside. White Justice Winslow. They start. They have guys he's, like, not even, he's not even starting. Oh, my God. I have no idea. Kelly Olenek, guys like that. Um, so, Sebo, if there was one place you think, who who do you think would make a who do you think has a better chance at getting DeAndre Jordan? The Milwaukee Bucks or the Cavaliers? Two teams that have been linked to him. Uh I mean the Cavs have that pick. They have an extra first yeah, they, rounder. They, they have that so. Nets pick and the Nets are uh... That's huge for them. But the thing is they have so many they don't have any attractive young assets like the Bucks do. So that's also huge. Like the Clippers could get proven players, proven young players on their team and players with high upside from the Bucs. And they can't get that from the Cavs. The Cavs are probably trying to trade them like Iman Shumpert and Tristan Thompson and maybe the Nets pick. <laughs> That's, I mean, I don't know why anyone would want Iman, especially the Clippers. W- what is he going to do for you? And I would laugh at the Cavs if they walked Another that. thing is, is it – do the Cavs? I don't think the Cavs would even do that. I don't think the Cavs want to get rid of that pick because they are still uncertain about LeBron. So their best thing to do is n- not trade that, no matter yeah, any circumstances. That's another thing. Like you got to really consider what is LeBron's free agent status. You know, it's almost crazy to think he would leave again, but is it crazy? I mean, if <laughs> the Warriors did them pretty good last year. And if they, it's the same thing, I think they got worse this year. I, once you lose a score like Kyrie Irving, Isaiah Thomas' oh. defense isn't better either. So, uh, I mean, I think you're just going to get tired of it if you're LeBron. He wants to win. That's not going to – eventually it's just not going to be the best place. Maybe he'll go to Boston. Yeah. Who knows? Honestly, <laughs> as a Warriors fan, I think their uh, biggest threat right now is the Rockets. Oh, yeah, the Rockets when they have – CP3, Harden, Capella, and all playing, Eric Gordon. They, I, they haven't lost yet, I, have they? No. I also saw today, I got an update, that the Rockets were linked again, DeAndre Jordan. I also heard that they were linked again, LeBron, in the offseason as well. I don't, I don't understand the DeAndre one. I, I mean, Capella yeah, is like as good as a young center as there is yeah. in the NBA. Yeah, but what's so. the Warriors' weakness? Down low, they don't have, they don't have that center. That's true. Yeah, but That's... Draymond has gone toe-to-toe with some of the best seven-footers in the league, and his wingspan alone is able to allow him to compete out there with these guys. Yeah, but if they're already beating them with this lineup and they get DeAndre too, like – and DeAndre's going to be reunited with CP3. They're just incredible. – they're incredibly efficient. And the thing is, they they shoot the three ball just as well. So – yeah. They have a lot of underrated players like Ryan Anderson, Eric Gordon. Eric Gordon. Yeah. Eric Gordon's one of the most underrated players in the NBA. Six man. When he, yeah, when he was on the Clippers, when he was <laughs> on starter on the Clippers, before he always used to get hurt, he used to light it up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, Sebo, gun to your head. Where does DeAndre Jordan land? 
I'm going to go with the Bucks. I think they make a big move. I'm going to have to agree with you there. Whether it came out of the Cavs and the Bucks, I think the Bucks will they'll, they'll be able to get it done. They got a couple more younger assets. Maybe they're willing to part ways of a, a wing player like Chris Middleton. Who knows? I, I see him more of in a possibly maybe like a Malcolm Brogdon package. Yeah, and you know what? They, they really didn't want to get rid of him when they were trained for Bledsoe. But if they're, if they're you know, right now the Bucks are sitting in the eighth seed. They also have Jabari Bar. Tripping over my words here. Jabari Parker is coming back as well. So that's a pretty lethal liner by there. Like Eric Bledsoe, uh, Giannis, DeAndre Jordan. That That's a dangerous team. And then you well, got some yeah, guys absolutely. like Don Maker as well. Well, they probably didn't want to get rid of him in the Eric Bledsoe trade because Eric Bledsoe wasn't even playing. He was sitting at home. So they're like, all right, so if he's going to sit and rot, why am I going to give up my, what was he, rookie of the year last year? Yes. The Suns guy literally said he's not playing. So, mm-hmm. why would they give up the rookie of the year for someone they're not going to even play? Right. Exactly. You don't want to give up too much when the guy's not even. Yeah. He's not even wanting to play on the team. Right. Um, another name that was recently thrown around in rumors. Let's make this one a quicker one. Um, Kemba Walker of the Hornets has been apparently made available for trade. And immediate reports were linking them to the Knicks. And I think the Knicks would be foolish to try to trade for him. I saw one of the mock trades drawn no, up. It was like, and it was, I was giving up a first rounder and Frank. What'd I say? And I was, What'd I say? I was just like, come on. I, that is the That's last thing gonna I ask want. They're going to they're gonna be asking for like a good young player, maybe a, an expiring contract, and a first round pick. Yeah. But, I mean, the Knicks, the Knicks, they were involved in the Kyrie rumors. I, they, they're smart. They they know that they have a good one in Frank, and it's time to rebuild. Uh, at least they've been smart with that so far since under the. New I GM. think the Knicks are going to be heading into the trade deadline, trying selling their best to sell Kyle Quinn, who I think is one of the better backup centers, and will be a great rent candidate for who you know a, a couple of contenders out there. He's a excellent passer and rim protector. He's a good he's he's a good stretch five. He can shoot yeah. the ball well also. And he's a very talented passer as well. Um, so if you did have to assume Kemba being traded, are there any landing spots you have in mind right now? Honestly, I look in the East. I look at a team like the Pistons. Maybe they try to move Reggie Jackson, uh, Stanley Johnson. Yeah, Stanley. The pick. It's really not working out well for them right now. I think they lost five straight. But do you think so. the Hornets are going to want a guy like Stanley Johnson, who's just another wing guy like Michael Kidd Grill? Limited ability. The best thing for the Hornets right now is to blow it up. I honestly hate to break it to you guys. I think he, if he gets traded anywhere, it's going to be the Knicks. I, you know, I don't know. On. I think uh, I like Scott Perry, the guy who's our president right now. I think he's um, him and Steve Mills are they're trying they're trying to actually build the right way. Yeah, I, I I think they'll hold off on that honestly. They've if they're under the new leadership they're under, they like Frank. They like their young talent. I think they just want to stick to the draft. That's the way to build a good young team. And then once you have money, you spend you fill your holes. Like you get a Gordon Hayward. Look at the, what the Celtics did. Yeah, they just—they're dripping with young talent. That's what the Warriors did. I know it's—it would be a dumb Nick. Like, the 
classic dumb Knicks. The Celtics but. also have had what like two top three picks in a row. Yeah, but that's all they were just smart about. They just made the right trades because they, ro- they 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 blew it up. They robbed the Nets. They bl- the Nets. Yeah, they blew it up when they were getting an older core, and they're like, "We're not going to win when LeBron's in the East," and they were smart. Yeah, you know, maybe a team. You know, I'm looking right now. Maybe, I'm looking. I mean, the only team besides the Pistons, like you said, and the Knicks possibly being interested. I look at the Magic um, no. as maybe trying to sell players, point guard Alfred Payton and his funky hair, um, and maybe even like Evan Fournier. So I can see them maybe trying to package a deal in a first for him, try to unite uh, Kemba and, and Aaron Gordon. That can definitely be an electrifying combo. What seed are the Magic right now? Ooh, the Magic are bottom they're of the league. Bottom, they started off the year they're like not, eight and four. They're not trading for... They're not trading their young talent for Kemba if they're that low. Yeah, I don't think Like, so. at least the Knicks are, at least, like, they're playing at MSG, like, they have Porzingis, they have Porzingis, like, Michael Beasley's having a good year. Maybe they see, like, maybe Kemba might be the spark to their team. He's an established all-star, like, I don't know. Yeah. Another team that I think is interesting, maybe the Nuggets. They don't really have a pure point guard on our team. They're on. They're around the eight seed. They're half game out. Yeah, Kemba and uh, Jamal Murray can be a pretty uh, lethal backcourt right there. Yeah, and Jokic and Jokic and Jokic is an incredible passer. That would maybe, be perfect for Kemba. Maybe they try to deal away like Moutier, Kenneth Fareed, and like a pick. Yeah. Oh, they've been trying to get away. <laughs> they've been trying to get rid of Fareed every single like every every off season. Kenneth Reed's on the trade block every trade deadline. They're just trying to unload for Wait, Reed. don't the Nuggets also have Paul Millsap, too? They do. Yes. So. But I don't see them straight. No, I mean, like, that'd be, like, good. Like, they have, yeah, they have good depth on the team. They just, they just haven't put it together. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, great job in the NBA talk. Let's move on to a little baseball. So, there was some big news in baseball this week. Uh, Involving Pittsburgh, the Pirates traded star pitcher Garrett Cole to the defending World Series champions, the Astros. And the Pirates also sent fan favorite Andrew McCutcheon to the Giants. Give me your thoughts, guys. They're tanking. They're blowing it up. Just like the Marlins. I mean, well, the thing is, at least the Pirates got respectable prospects back. The Marlins was just a disaster. They they just gave away town. Oh, and... Established hitters, Stanton, Ozuna, two of the best hitters in the NL. If you think about it, the Pirates were a 98-win team like two or three years ago. Two years ago, yeah. They got bit by the injury bug. But the thing is, their outfield, they have a good outfield. They already have Sterling Marte, Gregory Polanco. McCutcheon was kind of odd man out. And they have a good young core there. They'll probably move Josh Harrison soon. But they just realized that it's not their time. Start new. I know it's tough with a guy like McCutcheon. He's been there so many good years. Former MVP. MVP. Like, but they just realized he, his glove got worse and he just, he was in a horrible slump for like a year and a half and then he broke out of it in the second half. But they kind of just realized they wanted to go with Polanco and Marte. Cole was more interesting in my opinion. It's honestly, yeah. it's honestly crazy how the trade market has been. Almost ten times more active than the free agent market this year. 
Yeah, the Marlins are still looking to trade Yellick. Yeah, because he said, I want out. He saw the direction the team was going. He said, I want out. Yeah, it's the same thing with Harrison. Harrison says, I want to win. So That's help. definitely been one of the um, the big storylines of this MLB offseason. It's just, you know, under new ownership now, Derek Jeter is now the president of the Marlins. And he just had a really wacky start to being the uh, – and to entering his new role. I would love his to see move. what his, like, plan is, like, for the long haul that the commissioner keeps I heard they, talking about. I heard they were in such a bad position with the contracts they had. They weren't making money. I, I heard this was all financial. They just need to sell everybody. Yeah, because they, they didn't, like, sell enough – they didn't sell enough tickets. Yeah, I heard I heard they were millions in debt. They don't sell enough tickets to have all those star players on a team and not make oh. the playoffs. And they it, built this brand new stadium <laughs> like four years ago. I heard. I yeah. I heard the amusement park. Yeah, I heard that Jeter was taking down the the home run statue. He should. That thing's so <laughs> ugly. You guys gotta agree. Yeah. Come on. That <laughs> thing's uglier than gold. Come on. Uh, that's not. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, but yeah, you know, um, a lot of people were upset that Jeter was not in attendance. Also, at owner meetings. Um, yeah, apparently a lot that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, and a lot of people were really just trying to get a um, an explanation for what his plan was, and we're stuck with. He probably woke up and was like, "I don't want to go listen to this press asking me." About I heard he was at the. Well, I mean, have you seen his wife, Hannah Jeter? <laughs> yeah, well, I heard he was at the Monday Night Football game in Miami. Yeah, he went to that Dolphin game. Was that against the Raiders or it was against the Raiders? I believe. Come on, now you just know he's not trying to answer questions. Who goes to watch the Dolphins? Play the Raiders. Play the Raiders. That's just ugly football right there. Right. Jay Cutler. But um, so both of our teams, uh, the Mets, me and Steve are both Mets fans. RJ is a fan of the evil Yankees. Uh, both of our teams had pretty you – know, we saw some drastic changes in the offseason, clearly in the Bronx. RJ, give us a little recap of – your off season, which I don't want to talk about because it's going to make. Well, we got the the last year's NL MVP, which is amazing to see him paired with Judge. As I like to say, the Yankees resurrected the Twin Towers. Um, Sebo, Sebo, real quickly, I'm surprised that you find this with every Yankee fan. The first thing you mention them is, you know, you can ask them any question, like, you know, oh, hey, how'd the Yankees do? Their first response is. Don't worry about it. The Mets still stink. Yeah, the oh, little brother. You guys, <laughs> you guys are the little brother. You guys have to learn from the big brother how to make a team. No matter what nah. the question is, you can just try and have a friendly conversation. I go through this with my roommate all the time, big Yankee fan. Hey, hey Tim, how how'd the Yankees do today? Don't worry about it. I al- Mets- I'm also interested to see the number two prospect in MLB, Glaber Torres, come up. After last season, the season was cut short due to Tommy John surgery on his non-throwing arm. And he was doing filthy in the minors. Yankees also, um, they fired Joe, uh, Joe Girardi right after their playoff run, and they hired Aaron Boone. RJ, how do you, how do you uh, like this move? I honestly like the move because Aaron Boone is younger. We have a younger clubhouse now. And he's big into the analytic side of baseball, which is what what baseball is coming to today. is more analytics-based, and he has a good base in that part of baseball. 
Yeah, I think the Yankees were also looking for a manager who was just able to um, connect better with the Yankees. So, honestly, I think the Yankees had a very uh, – one of the winners of the offseason so far. Sebo, um, our Mets hired a new manager as well. We hired um, Mickey Callway, who from the Indians. Sebo, give us a little background on Mickey. Mickey was the former pitching coach on the Indians. The good thing about him, if you look at what the Mets have done, they're all built around pitching. They brought in a guy. Apparently, Terry Francona says this guy is going to be a stud. Stud as a coach. Players love him. So, I mean, hopefully, Syndergaard gets on the right track with him. DeGrom gets on the right track with him. We avoid injuries. I th- the thing with the Mets is you just can't expect them to spend a lot of money in the offseason. As long as they're under Wilpon ownership, it's just not going to happen unless you got to retain a guy like Cespedes. Yeah, but Mickey was also, um, you know, we've seen it with the Indians the past two years. They were a very pitching, pitching dominant team. They had a very strong bullpen. Um, Mickey was also part of the Royals when they won the World Series, helping out. We saw them how dominant their bullpen was. Um, and our our new pitching coach is also was the Royals. Yeah, bullpen coach. That's so I was referring to. Um, and during, during the trade deadline this year, the Mets made a lot of trades for relievers. So they're clearly going to be trying to um, really just, like you said, get pitching to be their strong point for this year. I definitely want to see their next, what, how the next couple of weeks play out. They're, they'll always be involved in Moustakis rumors until he signs. But they, I really think they are in the market for a second baseman. I don't know whether that's trade. I, there's really not that many good free agent candidates out. But that definitely goes a long way. I believe that the the Mets need more speed on their team. But we'll see how it plays out. I'm excited for the new year. Yeah, I'm excited to see uh, Ahmed Rosario and Dom Smith kind of get a full year in the majors and test that. Well, uh, actually, I don't know if Dom Smith's going to be in the majors to start the year, especially with Gonzalez. They might want to keep him down for a little longer. Whatever they think works. See, but you see that the Mets uh, are interested in possibly bringing back Big Sexy? Yeah, I saw that. I mean, after last year <laughs> with all the injuries, you need all the pitching depth you could have. And, so why not? And, they love, and I also they saw love, that Mickey, they love he, he has an interesting strategy. He said he might not let pitchers face the lineup the third time around right. as many times as a normal guy would, even if they're doing well, just because it – a lot of the times it doesn't work out. When a lineup sees you three times, they kind of start to guess you, start to feel you out a little more. So if they're going to be doing that, they might need some help in the bullpen, be a more bullpen strong team. Yeah. How how old is Bartolo Colon now? Was he 43? 43. About to be 44. Wow. Yeah. wow. All right, guys, let's move on to our final topic. Uh, in the college basketball world, Last night, Zion Williamson, the one of the top recruits, committed to Duke, and he's joining other top recruits, R.J. Barrett and Cameron Reddish. It was also announced that Kevin Durant will be taking his talents to Duke as well. Did you guys hear that? <laughs> yeah, R.J., you hear that? What do you, what do you yeah. feel about that? <laughs> so maybe the Warriors, hate, maybe the Warriors won't be uh, this super team after all. I hate Duke. I hate them. You know, it's come to the point uh, as a podcast, us three, we've already. Decided to announce them as the 2019 National Basketball Champions. I mean, they have. We we it's getting to the point. We have to accuse accuse Coach K of witchcraft because 
for years they weren't getting these guys like that, like these top guys. Like just six years ago, the Duke national champion team consisted of Nolan Smith, John Shire, Kyle Singler, just players like that. And now they're getting the top recruits in the country. You have to credit it to Coach K. They have the top philosophy. They have the top three, and then they have the number ten. Yes. Once, once he adopted the philosophy that Calipari was doing in Kentucky, they started getting one and done players. Guarantee them that they'll be high draft picks, and that they'll pro- they have a very good chance of winning a national championship. And he's a better coach, so more people want to play for Duke now. Yeah. Imagine uh, a guy like Marvin Bagley would stay with Duke for one more year. What's the I point? What's the <laughs> he's, point? He is not doing that. I'll tell you. He's that gonna. Right he's now. top three. What's the point? But, I mean, could, you know, we're kind of, you know, we're getting towards the middle of conference playing college basketball. So, I'm really excited to uh, start discussing a little more going forward. Uh, tournament play will – I mean, conference tournaments will begin in about a month and a half. So, we'll have a lot discussing there going into March Madness. It's going to be an exciting year. Be excited. Yep. All right, everyone. So, this was the second ever Car Sports Talk podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes. We'll be back Tuesday night, everyone. We'll see you then.